Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God is what Christ came to preach. It's what He came to give us, to uh, make available to us. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that ye might be saved, that the world might be saved. The world then, uh, there's a number of Greek words, that particular one was the constitutional order or systems of government. Why did God want to say the constitutional orders or systems of government? Actually, He didn't. He wanted to save the people in them. The people that had bound themselves in them. The same as he wanted to save the people that had bound themselves in Ur and Haran and Sodom and Gomorrah. He wanted to save them. But it required that they made a choice. And if they made that choice and were drawn towards God, the ways of God, the character of God, they would become his people. They would also become peculiar or different than the people of the rest of the world that were not drawn towards him, but were drawn towards another character, another name, another personality, a personality that was not like God the Father, was not of a creative, life-giving, forgiving, generous force that God was. God was constantly trying to give man a a choice and an opportunity to return to him. But we have to make that choice. We have to make that choice daily, moment by moment. The kingdom of heaven is in the moment. Most of us are not in the moment. And one of the things that draws us out of that moment is fear. And just before uh, we went on the air, I was going to pull out a few of the quotes in the Bible that says, Fear not. God speaking to Abraham, to uh, Joseph, speaking to his brothers, uh, saying, Am I in place of a God? Fear not. Well, there are those that think they are in the place of a God. And you might fear them. But even Christ says to fear not. Don't fear those who can kill the body, but fear those who can kill the soul. Well, how how can anyone kill the soul? We know that Corbin of the Pharisees makes the word of God to none effect. We know that uh, uh, there has been God's many. We know that we're not to make covenants with the inhabitants where we go or with their gods. And, of course, these gods are ruling judges, men who are not gods but would like to be in the position of God. Up on a pedestal, ruling over you, making laws for you, regulating you, compelling you, forcing you to do what they think is good rather than evil. They are not only making the choice of good and evil for themselves, but they want to make it for you. And if you don't do what they say, eventually they get around to the Cain philosophy of bludgeoning you over the head. Now, what is your greatest defense against this? Well, of course, it's Christ. But it's not just Christ back 2,000 years ago. It's Christ in you now. 
Are Is Christ in you now? Are you compatible with the Holy Spirit of Christ that he has sent to comfort us? The apostles were walking with Jesus every day and they didn't get it. They knew there was something about the man they loved. They knew there was something in his way. They were also impressed with his miracles, his demeanor, uh, all sorts of things impressed them. But they hadn't made a choice. They hadn't come into one accord with that spirit. They had to do some serious soul searching. And what brought them face to face with that serious soul searching? Fear. Or, more important, the realization that they were afraid. Oh, they were boastful. Oh, I'll stick with you no matter what. I'll never betray you no matter what. But then, as soon as the soldiers arrived, they were fleeing. Leaving their clothes behind, even. Lying, denying Christ. Before that night was over, they had all, to one degree or another, betrayed Christ. But that was okay. Christ forgave them. Recently on a talk show uh, with another group, I was telling them that the Bible is about government. It's about good governments and bad governments. Bad governments are like Pharaoh who got more and more power over the people because the people applied to the Pharaoh for benefits. Bad governments are governments like Nimrod's, a mighty provider instead of the Lord. He never provided anything of his own, really. He may have at the beginning like Augustus did. Augustus supplied almost half the social welfare of Rome during his first administration. Extremely wealthy man. Eventually, though, that welfare was supplied simply by taking away from your neighbor in a system of socialism, social welfare, that is not compatible with Christ, not compatible with God, not compatible with what Abraham was doing, free will offerings upon their altars to be distributed in true and pure religion amongst their people as need arise. Moses did the same. Pharisees would have you thinking that they were doing mindless rituals of just burning up dead carcasses on piles of dead stone. But Abraham's stones were living stones, and so was Moses's, and so was Christ's. It was men who sought service, sought to serve others. That's a, that's a burden in itself, to serve others, day in, day out. Serve their needs. Provide for them the truth that most people don't want to hear. That's uh, an unthankful job. It's like uh, pulling people over as a policeman and saying, Hey, you know, you're going too fast. And in fact, I have to pull them over and say, You're going in the wrong direction. You're lost. You, you don't even know how to operate this vehicle. That doesn't go over well with a lot of people. They want to think that they know what they're doing. And that's because of pride. So, what did Christ talk about telling us what a good government is? 
Well, of course, we were to fear not. Because fear strangles, smothers the life of God. Because God fears not. When I looked up, was going to look up a few quotes, I found out there are pages and pages of quotes where God says, fear not. But who's lately been telling you to fear? Fear the Muslims. Fear the oil spill. Fear the economy collapse. Now, all these things may bring about bad things. The economy certainly has crunched an awful lot of people. Caused them to lose their homes, their savings, their jobs. They are learning to do without. Well, it's good practice. Because they're going to do without a lot more. On another radio program, they were trying to goad me into telling them what I thought was going to happen in the future. And I said, well, I can't tell you what's going to happen in the future. It would scare you too bad. Yeah, bad things are going to happen. But fear not. Why would we be afraid? What you should fear... Well, I'll quote... Uh, to start with, I'll quote <laughs> FDR. You have nothing to fear but fear itself. Well, actually, you have more to fear than that. But there is a certain truth in that. And, of course, uh, liars are very good at repeating the truth. But, yes, you don't have anything to fear but fear itself. But you fear because fear strangles the Holy Spirit. It is the antithesis of God. Why would you fear? That's why he keeps reminding us. It's in his character. Fear not. I am your protector. I am your shield. Well, is he your protector? Is he your shield? When he said that to Abraham, it was because Abraham had made choices. He had walked away from the kingship of Haran. He would be the heir to the throne of Haran. But unfortunately, Haran was built in the image of Ur. In memory of his son, Haran, who died in the hands of the government of Ur. The problem was they didn't like that government because it had abused them. But they didn't dislike that method of government. They still wanted to have a city-state where you exercised authority over men and compelled their contributions to provide for the welfare and needy of their society, including the military and the police and maybe the fire brigade. But God's system is not based on a corporate political solution. It is based on the body of Christ, which comes to set men free. Free to do what? At liberty to do what? Anything you want? No, to conform to the character of God. To be true sons of God, children of God, obedient to God. Not because he says you have to be obedient, but because you love him. If you love him, you will keep his commandments. Because you love him. Not because you fear him. But that doesn't mean that you wouldn't be afraid of him if you disobeyed him. But the motivation is not fear, but love. Because who he is, what he is, is compatible 
with what you want. Or you are compatible with what he wants. In other words, there's a communion between you and the Lord. So you will fear not. So if I were to talk about bad things that are going to happen, you know, they talk about the oil spill. And of course, oil is coming ashore and it is toxic and it's not good for uh, the the shoreline. It's not good for all the ocean in between. But there are other scenarios they're talking about where suddenly the uh, the oil may finally start to equalize its pressure after pouring tons and tons of oil into the ocean and and seawater will flow down into the cavern and begin to superheat and turn into steam and blow up and create a tidal wave 60 to 80 feet high coming ashore in the Gulf and all over the uh, the Caribbean. That would be devastating. Uh, there's talk that they're preparing for massive evacuations along the coast. And I don't know how much of that's true. You know, you see the photos of uh, vans. I know people have been called into the National Guard, but for what purpose, I don't know. But I could get you all very afraid and you'd be listening. Oh, what, what's going to happen next? Well, good things and bad things. If you're a part of our network, I was going to encourage the contact ministers throughout the network to take a survey of who is on their groups that is living in the lowlands and coastlines of the Gulf of Mexico, who may be suddenly told that they're going to have to move. And uh, they could go to the government camp where they will be relocated or they could come to our FEMA, Faith Emergency Management Auxiliary, and be absorbed into our network wherever they needed to go. Now, that that particular evacuation may never take place, but someday something's going to happen where you may have to leave where you're at. Your whole local congregation may have to pack up and get out of town. That's why the network is not just talking about creating local congregations of record. But creating a network that goes all over the country. All over other countries. Because the kingdom of heaven is not here or there. It's within you. And within you, if you love the world like God loves the world, you will willingly sacrifice that they might be saved. Now, who would they be? Those who also are seeking the ways of Christ. And that's what we're talking about on the network. The ways of Christ, the ways of the kingdom, the ways of the early church. Are we interested in the ways of the early church? Are we interested in the ways of the modern church? The modern church has delivered the whole world into bondage. Everybody in the world, almost, vast majority of them, are in bondage to governments, not unlike Nimrod, not unlike Pharaoh, not unlike the Pharisees. 
because what should have been for their welfare has become a snare, and they have been bound again, entangled again in the ways of the world, and they need to be saved again. But Christ isn't coming back to be sacrificed. He has told us to feed his sheep, to care for his sheep, to form pure religion, to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity instead of forced contributions. Socialism kills the soul. It saves the flesh for a while. But it is the unrighteous mammon. It is the unrighteous trusted entrusted wealth. It gives power to men to take away from your neighbor to provide you with welfare. And there's more of your neighbors than there are of you. So therefore, your neighbor gets to suck the life out of you. Take a bite out of you. Because you have all become one flesh, one body, through the corporate political state. Can government exist without the state? Not unless you're a humble soul, a sacrificing soul, a forgiving soul, a soul compatible with the character of Christ, who is doing all things according to the character of Christ, according to the name of Christ, the Messiah, the Meshach, Yeshua. It's not the spelling. It's the Spirit. The Spirit giveth life. The latter killeth. The name is who he was. Are you who he was? Or are you somebody else? Have you been made in another image? A selfish image? An unforgiving image? A dictatorial image? A Canaanite image? Are you made in the image of Christ? Are you coming together in the ways of Christ? Because that's where he's at. He's not where you don't come together. He's where you come together. Where two or more are gathered in my name, in my character, in my way. There also I am. And where you do that, fear not. If that's not what you're doing, yeah, go ahead and fear. Because you've got a lot to be afraid of. And if you admit that, and your fear may wake you up to that truth, then you have a chance to repent and come into one accord with other brothers who are seeking to do the will of the Father. Not those just saying, Lord, Lord saying, yeah, we believe. But those who are doing doing, and are doers of the will of the Father and strive to do so and come face to face with their own sins and confess them before the Lord and repent and turn around. When God said, fear not, Hagar, because the son's uh, prayers were heard where they were at. That's like the prodigal son story. You know, the father saw the son coming from a distance and ran out to meet him. God does that. You, there's no way you can repent and get back to the God of heaven on your own. He's got to come out. <laughs> and greet you and bring you back and prepare the fatty calf for you. And he will do that. 
But you got to turn around. You got to start back. Are you starting back? Are you turning around? Or am I just talking on this radio to entertain you? Because I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to rebuke you. I'm here to chastise you. I'm here to scare the hell out of you so that you can go towards heaven and the kingdom of heaven. But I don't want you to go out of the fear. I want the fear to wake you up and then go out of the love. The love of the ways of Christ, the ways of sacrifice, the ways of giving life, your own life, to others that they may live. No greater love has a man than to give up his life for others. And we do that on a daily basis by giving up our time, giving up our energy, giving up our uh, opportunity to go watch the game. Take a nap. <laughs> Instead, we go to work for Christ, to preach the gospel of Christ. How much do you sacrifice every day to preach the gospel of Christ? How much do you give up of yourself? And do you do it out of love? Or do you do it out of fear? Do you do it out of compassion? The compassion of Christ? Or do you do it because you want some reward? Well, you figure that out. God will let you know. But you have to turn around and start something completely different from what you've been doing before. Because everywhere in the world, people are going the wrong direction. As a matter of policy, they betray Christ every day. They betray God every day. Jews, Muslims, Christians, Buddhists, Taoists. Gnostics or people who think they're Gnostics. You know, it's amazing the deception that can come by way of words. And I'll have to do a program on that particular thing. The Gnostics of the old and the Gnostics of today. Who's a Gnostic? Who's a Gnostic? Where are the Gnostics of today? <laughs> the guys who think they know by knowing rather than by faith. But isn't faith knowing? Things unseen, knowing with another knowing, not with the intellect. I mean, scientists think they're going to figure it all out intellectually. They're going to see what is good and evil, right and wrong, correct and not correct. But there's vanity in their search. When there's humility in their search... When there is spirituality in their search, and that spirituality is immersed in the character of Christ, which is forgiveness and humility and service. I mean, he didn't get on his knees to wash their feet just for fun. But to express something that we need to understand and know about his character and what our character should be.
Welcome back to Kings of the Kingdom. I'm going to give you a few uh, tidbits of news. Uh, don't forget, coming up at the end of the September and the 1st of October, we will have a retreat out here. If you want to come to the retreat, uh, let us know. Uh, join the network. Help us plan for the retreat. Uh, we got a 1,000 acres to meet on and to camp on and to fellowship on. We would like to have people come and put on demonstrations, uh, entertain us. Um, if you can sing, which I'm not very good at. If you can play in a musical instrument, which my sons are better at than I am. Um, come out and uh, show us what you got. If you have a particular message, if you have a particular skill and you'd like to put on a demonstration and teach, uh, come out and do that. Uh, let us know what you've got in mind and we will try to accommodate you and we will notify others that you are coming and what you plan on offering and we will have a bigger and bigger meeting. A thousand acres, we could get a lot of people here. We've got some that are already planning to come all the way from Australia. Uh, that's a long ways. I want as many people to come as can. Uh, other people are talking about coming from North Dakota, South Dakota, I guess, and uh, uh, maybe from some other states. If you work together, you can lower the cost of getting here. If we work together, we can make the coming here a much more beneficial event. I mean, I just had a call last night from somebody who's going to Burning Man and wanted to stay in a nearby trailer park. And they asked us what it was like there. <laughs> uh, well, they're going to Burning Man. Burning Man started with 80 people on a beach in San Francisco, and now they get 50,000 people come there a year. Uh, you have to pay like $400 to get in, and they don't supply you with much, and it's on a terribly toxic alkali flat <laughs> That when the wind picks up, you can get pretty darn, uh, I mean, it could kill you, in my opinion. I've, there are alkali flats out here, but the grounds we're talking about are, are uh, high desert uh, 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 brushlands and uh, meadows. We're right at the foot of the National Forest where you can go hiking, where you've got Anna River here and Anna Lake, where you can go boating and swimming. Uh, and there are places out there you can... Uh, Soaking the cool waters from Martesian Springs out in the, the place where we're going to meet. But it takes you to make it a worthwhile event. So you come. You plan on coming. If you plan on coming, plan on offering something to everybody else who comes. And we can make this a great event. Other things in the news, uh, we have a lot of recordings that you can now download on your iPod or your podcasts or however you guys do that sort of thing. <laughs> and they are found at, uh, at keysofthekingdom.info. And I guess you can sign up however that works. I don't do that sort of thing, but I guess other people do. And uh, we're going to try to make uh, better and better recordings available uh, we've got the Covenants of the Gods up there, I think, uh, somewhere available. And uh, that's all done by volunteer helps. Um, so those are some of the things that I was going to mention in the news. Uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit. What is the solution? Where is the safety? Where is our salvation found? Well, Christ came preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
For some reason, everybody's waiting for it to come. And we know it doesn't come through observation. We know it's for the living and not for the dead. And the question is, do you want to be among the living or among the dead? The living are those who still have all the rights that God has given them, and they exercise those rights with the responsibility and love that Christ came with and tried to teach us to live by. And he told us to strive and to seek a way in which we could live by his grace and his power and his glory. Now, we can't do this on our own. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. In order for the Holy Spirit to come into us, we need to start putting on the character of Christ. We need to put it on as the full armor of God. If He is going to be our shield, fear not, for I am your shield. We have to let Him be that shield. We have to humbly set ourselves before him and walk in his ways. What are those ways? What do they look like? Well, the ways of God haven't changed from the beginning because God hasn't changed from the beginning. He's the same way today as he was yesterday. And in the book, Thy Kingdom Come, we show you what Abraham was doing, what Moses was doing. And it's not what the Pharisees said he was doing. It's what they were actually doing. And it's what Christ said for the early church to do. To feed his sheep, not by compulsory offerings of Corbin that make the word of God to none effect, but by free will offerings of faith, hope, and charity. Most people don't want to do that. But we're looking for the ones who do. Who want to take care of one another. And even take care of their neighbors outside of their congregations. Are you ready to do that? Are you ready to start striving and seeking in that direction? Well, you have to turn around. Well, in this world, you need to have a structure in order to do that. It's not a structure that is going to bind you up. It's a structure like the bones in your body. Right now, we're dry bones. We don't even know how the structure works together. And I've told the story before. When I was a small boy, I found animal bones laying in this briar patch. Uh, that I was hiding in when we were playing, I don't know, some sort of hide-and-seek game uh, on the bayous of Houston, Texas, with uh, friends, and I came across these bones sticking out of the dirt, and I eventually dug them out. And uh, there's no grass that grows in a briar patch, and I was crawling on my hands and knees and maybe even lower on my belly and found them. So I crawled back in there every day and dug out until I got every single bone, and then got a little encyclopedia or someplace, probably the Book of Knowledge, and started putting them together, identifying each bone, until I glued this entire, probably dead cat, together uh, with all its vertebrae, and uh, put it all together and glued it to a cardboard and took it to school for show and tell. I was probably about eight years old at the time. But that was the structure that's inside a cat that allows the cat to move so fluidly and with such agility. But now they're all glued together. They were dead bones, dried up dead bones. Well, there's a prophecy about can these dry bones live? And that the prophecy is that they are, that they come together. But they must come together. I'm not going to glue them together. They have to come together on their own. And then the flesh comes upon them. And then 
God breathes life into it. And it becomes his witness. God is the giver of life. So out there, there are men who would seek to be ministers of God, who seek the service and character of Christ. And those are the dry bones. Those are the structure. Now, you don't appoint them from the bottom up. The flesh must come onto them because it chooses to, because you don't still want any old flesh. You want the flesh that is compatible with the Holy Spirit. Because that's the only flesh that can survive when God breathes life into his church. Is those that have his character. And what is his character again? What are the key characters of good government? Forgiveness. Patience. Love. Sacrifice. It's amazing how many people want to get together and judge somebody else and never even let him know they're doing it. It's called ex parte hearings in the law. But men do that on a regular basis. They, they try individuals, well, he's not doing this right or he's not doing that right or, you know, he's, he's this, that or the other thing. And they try him and they say, well, we're not going to have anything to do with him. They haven't even told them anything about that. They've just chosen to do that. Ex parte hearings. Never even gave him a chance to defend himself. Never came to him and says, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Did you do this? Did you do that? They didn't come to him and say this. They, they went off and tried him. That's fine. That's great. Because we know they're not a part of the kingdom of God. Because they don't have the character of Christ. The character of God. And as they judge, so shall they be judged. Somebody else will do the same to them. It's unfortunate. It's saddening. But that's the way it is. I came across an interesting article and I sent the guy an email to say that I would mention this article on the uh, radio show today. And it's an article on the Mark of the Beast. And I can't help but think this guy hasn't read some of my own material. <laughs> I didn't get to read the whole article. It was rather lengthy. And I've, I've been working since early trying to get other things done. But in, in, he talks about, uh, in chapter 9, uh, the Mark of the Beast. It's at uh, yazkingdom.com. I don't know. I don't know who wrote it because he didn't sign it. Uh, there was an email down there, and I sent an email off to that individual. Uh, but I don't know if that email is the actual author or what. But anyway, in chapter 9, socialism is not compatible with Christianity. And of course it isn't. Now, Christianity is a system of socialism, but it's voluntary socialism. In other words, you take care of the needy of your society through free will offerings. And through a structure of free will offerings. Not... A random helter-skelter, you know, why if I come across somebody who needs to help, I'll just help them out. But you have to be a little bit more systematic about it. Otherwise, there's no structure, there's no bones, there's no leverage, and you will not move fluidly through the world. And you need those bones, you need that structure in order to make you something more than a blob. And the Holy Spirit will breathe life into that structure so it does the right thing if you have the right flesh upon those bones and the bones are put in the right order. But that is up to the choice of all the participants. The bones, the lips, the hands, the heart. 
everybody has to work together to make that happen. And that's exactly what we're going to do is to seek that out, to be that body of Christ according to the character of Christ. But he goes on to say in the course of that chapter 9, he states, uh, to receive a social security number is, quote, to remain constitutional, only wards of the government can receive benefits. This is a vow of poverty. You exchange your rights to all your future wages for false promises of future benefits. You did so voluntarily. I'll discuss labor rights and poverty vows and taxable wages in other chapters. And I guess he does. I didn't get to all those. But the point is, is that if you have a social security number, you are in a religious order under a vow of poverty. Because they can increase the amount of taxes on your labor from 5% to 10% to 20% to 50% to 80% to 90%. You're in a religious order because Social Security is a way in which you take care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society. It's simply not pure religion, which is to do the same exact thing unspotted by the world. And the word world there in that statement in the Bible is constitutional order system or government. Because you have to pray two men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other in order to get the benefits of Social Security. And that kind of system is contrary to what Christ said because he said we were not to be like that. So that system is making the Word of God to none effect in your life no matter how much you tell me you believe in Jesus Christ and you are saved. Because you're not doing what he said. Not those who say, Lord, Lord, I believe in Jesus Christ, but those who doeth the will of the Father. And the Father said through the Son, it is not to be that way with you. You are not to be praying to those benefactors who exercise authority one over the other and force the contributions of the people. You are to be living by the perfect law of liberty through faith, hope, and charity. And many of you do not want to live that way. You are afraid. And your fear keeps you from belief. And belief is knowing what you can't see. And acting upon what you know. It is the gnosis. Faith is gnosis. It is knowing. It is not closing your eyes and saying, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe. Like the cowardly lion. It is opening your eyes and seeing with spiritual eyes that this has got to be the only way to survive spiritually and probably physically. But like I said, we don't we don't fear physical death, do we? I mean, we don't look for it. 
<laughs> We're not anxious to die. But we know spiritual death is a greater death. So how does God's kingdom work? Who are these bones? Well, these are the ministers, the disciples of Christ. Where he was training up ministers. And he gave them certain stipulations. You had to do it this way. You had to do this this way. You had to, you know, you had to forgive. You could only collect what they said they could afford to pay. How much do you owe? Well, I owe this much because I made this much. and But I can't afford to pay it because, you know, there was this oil spill and... I haven't been making any money lately and I'm going to have to move and my family's sick. And and he says, oh, so what can you pay? I can pay this much. Okay, painful. That's the government of God. Is that the government you're in? Then you're not in a Christian nation. You're in an Egyptian nation. Actually, you're even worse than an Egyptian nation. <laughs> in Egypt, you'd only have to pay 20%. In the nation you're in, you probably pay more. Unless, of course, you're listening to me in Egypt. <laughs> so, what are you going to do about this? You're back in bondage again. In a religious order contrary to that, what Christ taught. Under a vow of poverty. Where you have become a human resource. Because you have listened to the promises of men who promised you liberty but delivered you into bondage. And your preachers and your ministers and your pastors sat by and let this happen all over the world. What are you going to do? Well, do what Christ said repent, turn around, seek the kingdom. Of God and His righteousness. Start to learn what it means to live by faith, hope, and charity. In spirit and in truth. And the truth will set you free. So we need those bones to come together first. Those ministers to come together first. To give us structure. Ten families gather together. You figure out who those bones are. What flesh? You are the flesh. Now you've been bound together in a cauldron. You can look this up in your King James. Look for the word cauldron and flesh. Where we be one flesh. And we do take a bite out of one another. And we do this contrary to the will of God. And we call it socialism. Well, actually, a lot of people don't want to call it socialism. They call it social welfare or whatever. Still comes out socialism. Well, you take a bite out of your neighbor so that your welfare will be provided. That's not Christian. That's Egyptian. That's Nimrod. That's Caesar. That's Pharisees. That's not Christ. Christ said you're not supposed to be that way. Ezekiel said you're not supposed to be that way. Jeremiah Go read it. You're not supposed to be sitting down and eating with rulers at their table because there's nothing on that table they didn't put there by taking away from your neighbor. So you need to find those ministers. And are you one of those ministers? If you want to be a minister of Christ, 
you probably first thought is, I don't want to be a minister because you think a minister is someone who is holding a position of authority over others, which is what you see in most churches. But a true minister wants to serve. I just want to help people. I don't, I don't want to be a minister. <laughs> That's a minister. I don't want to be looked up to. I just want to serve. You know, that's a minister. If you want to be looked up to, you're not minister material. <laughs> it's the reverse. You know, you're the reluctant minister. That's what we want. Is the one I just want to help, you know, others. I don't want to be a minister or pastor or anything. That's what we're looking for. I don't want the responsibility of people looking up to me. I just want to do what Christ wants me to do. Hey, you're the guy. So now you got to come together and join the network. And those active ministers who have been working with us, we're going to bring them together and we're going to work on some of these other things. But we have to join ourselves together and let God apply the cartilage that binds us. And that cartilage is love and compassion. And... A love for Christ and His ways. It's not a contract. Our vows are prayers. Uh, I've talked about that before. The word vow in the uh, the Testament. Uh, there's different words that you're looking at. And we use the word vow. We think it's like an oath or a promise. Actually, the word means prayer. As it's used in several places in the Bible. So our prayer is that, yeah, I just want to help Christ. I just want to do his job. I want to do what he told us to do, feed his sheep. I don't want to be a ruler. That's ministerial material. And we have to come together and start forming that body and that structure, and we're doing that. If people have to evacuate this place or that place, we need to have a structure in place like a blood circulating system in our arm. If you cut veins in your arm, there are little tiny, tiny little capillaries that suddenly will rise to the occasion and become new veins. Now, you've cut an artery, you may not have enough time to <laughs> that, but the reality is, with God's grace, you could. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Why don't we see more miracles? Because we don't really believe in the way that God said to believe. We don't really have faith that is a knowing. We have blind faith. But Christ said, let the blind lead the blind. That's not the kind of faith we want. We want the knowing faith. So what do you know? Do you know that Christ wants you to love your neighbor as yourself? To love one another? To gather together and loving one another? Not just those in your local congregation, but all those in the kingdom. That's what God wants. Is that what you want? hey, then you're becoming compatible with God. The word for today, if you get dictionary.com, is juggernaut. 
What does juggernaut mean? Any large, overpowering, destructive force, something such as a belief or institution that elicits blind and destructive devotion. And they give us an example. An idol of Krishna at Puri in Orissa, India, annually drawn on an enormous cart under whose wheels devotees are said to have thrown themselves to be crushed. Kind of a Kool-Aid thing. Well, there's a juggernaut coming. We need to repent and fear not. And believe that God has the solution for us in this time, as all other times in man's history. Seek ye first that kingdom. Till we meet again, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you.